Hi there, and welcome to Fashion Talks, the podcast about observing the world through the lens of fashion, and I'm your host, Donna Bishop. And today is a designer spotlight episode, which I absolutely adore because it's a chance to really get into the origin story and get to know um, some amazing designers, talk about them, not just their collection. And today I'm joined by Jordan Aaron Mackay of the label Hendrix Row. And I don't want to tell you too much about Jordan because, of course, I don't want to introduce you because that's what the episode's all about. But what I will share is that Hendrix Row is a label that is absolutely on fire right now. Preferred Men's Magazine just did a cover shoot with Jason Priestley rocking one of the suits. And Jordan is also an award-winning filmmaker. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Welcome, Jordan. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start at the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about where you're from, where you were born, and what your family makeup was? Yeah. So um, I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan. Woohoo, Prairie! <laughs> right, mm-hmm. love the Prairie girls. Um, yeah. So I would say when I was little, I was a little devil. Definitely, my mom would always say. Um, at five years old, if uh, Frank Sinatra, my way, could be playing when I burst into any room, <laughs> it should have been. And at a very young age as well, like I was always wanting to dress myself. She said when I was born, she finally had this little doll that she could dress up in pinks and all this. Oh, come kindergarten. It was absolutely different. I was always... No, I do, I do, I do, I do. Yeah, <laughs> so, don't dress me, Mama Bear. No, I'm like, don't touch me. <laughs> I got, I've got this. You don't know. So uh, definitely a little hellion. And then um, I come from two beautiful parents, Ian and Shirley Mackay, um, big law family. I also have an uh, older brother that's a lawyer out in Calgary, very, very successful, and I love him very much. And yeah, um, so not a big fashiony family like you. Absolutely not. You started a new path in the Mackay family tree. Absolutely. I mean, my mother was always, always very fashionable. I mean, fine lines and tailoring over labels was always how it was. You know, at a very young age, she would point out things to me that used to annoy me because I'd be mm-hmm. like, "But I just like it," and she's like, "It's poorly made." We're not getting it. And I'd be like, it's so cool. Oh. So really young, I got into that eye of looking for um, the right, like seams, stitching, tailoring, all of that became very, very important. Um, but no, everyone else in the family was very like suits. We'll jump back to that because I think like knowing your collections and having seen your runway shows and whatnot, your tailoring is so precise like your mom must be your mom must be very proud (laughs) you know it's so funny like out of the all the collections we there there was those two pink tuxedos that really stuck out and I remember her walking backstage and I'm crying and she's so happy she's like that was a great pink and the (laughs) seams were impeccable in that pink suit and I was like how did hi praise I'm like you walk right past (laughs) that's but I those suits like that type of material and having that hot pink it is hard to get a nice, good tailoring on those. You can really notice it if it's poor. And what kind of kid were you in high school? What was high school like for you? Um, you know, late elementary um, high school was really difficult. I was very, very bullied. So I think at a young age, I was very vibrant. I, I would be more who I am today when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then high school and elementary school, very, very bullied. Um, so I became very much the wallflower. I didn't want to stand out by any means. So fashion, you know, it did really disappear for me. It was more t-shirts and jeans. And yeah, it was, it was a really difficult time. I, I, I lost my voice, definitely. 
And what sort of activities did you stay involved with then when you were in high school? So I dove deep into the arts. I was big into ballet. I mean, the best thing at four o'clock was when that bell rang and I ran outside to my mom's car and got in and went straight to ballet class and would be there until 10 p.m. every night. And it was the one room where like no one could talk back because the only thing you need to answer to was the bar you know so that's really and I became really good at that and that actually is kind of what catapulted me into Toronto how so so? well I came out here and I went to National Ballet School and went to uh, Randolph School of Performing Arts and I think that's kind of where you know I always had the arts in me Mm -hmm. I just didn't know which avenue and how to bring it out properly you know, and I think I, I want to be an actress or I wanted to be a dancer. I just didn't know, hey, it's actually fashion. <laughs> well, and it sounds like when you're just describing that journey, it's like you were looking for your artistic voice. Like, is it dance? Is it stage? Is it performance? Is it vocals? Yeah. And, you know, or just a voice, too, because I yeah. think I, 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 I from being bullied, I was so quiet and I couldn't speak about anything but I had this light that needed to shine and Mm -hmm. it was so dimmed at that point so yeah I think definitely I was just looking for a voice and it was definitely artistic and the Randolph school was that secondary or post-secondary that you did that's post-secondary um so it's actually on Bathurst it's this beautiful old church and I felt like every exact yeah it's like going to like uh fame yeah I'm jealous my favorite (laughs) we'll bond on fame after (laughs) right no and it was like the best school you gotta go and like you're like leg warmers and I know it was my dream oh it was I wanted to be best friends with Bruno the piano player anyway He probably went to high school. <laughs> so what did you do after after post-secondary? Like, did you, did you, were you acting? Did you so, jump yes, right we, into fashion? How did you go from Randolph Performing School to, to where, to so fashion design? I was still very, very quiet and like so who I was then and compared to now. Like, people would never, because I'm so outgoing now mm. that people would be like, you were once quiet. But, um... Yeah, I actually, when I moved out here, very quiet, and then I I met somebody who at the time was um, a VJ on Much Music, and being this little girl from Regina, Saskatchewan, never in a million years thought that this person look, would look my way, and he did, and he really, because he was so crazy and outgoing, really kind of let that light shine in me and brought that out of me, and so I started finding my way in the arts a bit more, and he was also an actor, and like the old story goes, um, he moved to Vancouver because he got a job out there and I moved out there with him. And um, so we lived out there for a while and I kind of tried to pursue the acting thing as well, but it never really stuck. And also it's just such a hard, hard like. Oh, it is not for the faint of heart. That is for sure. You're too blonde. You're too short. You're not blonde enough. And I'm bleach blonde. Like yeah. <laughs> how much blonder can you get? But yeah, no, no. And it was just never something I wanted to do. I couldn't. I couldn't handle that criticism every day. It's such a powerful experience for all of us to have. I think to have that feeling of someone really seeing us. Like it yeah. sounds like this relationship for you, especially after a hard time with peers in high school, like that feeling of this person really sees me for me and and that that's okay yeah. can just crack open a whole other part of ourselves. Of course. Like, I, like I've said before, like there's nothing more beautiful than well-tailored confidence. Mm-hmm. And like I got confidence again. 
you know, and I kind of started to find me. But during that as well, I got lost. You you do. Sometimes as women, we and we make everything about the 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 relationship and I did a bit you know everything mm-hmm. was about him and because he was the star so and then so I finally broke away from that and decided oh, I need to get get going on something myself so I started to follow in my uh, family footsteps and was going back to school to become a lawyer okay and when such a crazy <laughs> story but then yeah so I was out in Calgary going um pursuing law when I decided to uh, get on a plane to come back to Vancouver, because, of course, to see my friends mm-hmm. for my birthday. And this is the craziest story. So it's 7 a.m. 7 a.m. in the morning, and I've got my triple espresso. I'm so excited. I don't want to put anything underneath the plane. So I've got all my luggage with me. And you know that dreaded passenger that comes on? I've got a hat. I've got everything. And I'm barreling down <laughs> the Excuse me. Pardon me. Clunk, 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 like clunk, 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 clunk. everyone. And they're like all ducking as I'm coming. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's not good enough. And everyone's just seething like, please don't sit next to me. Please don't sit next to me. And then... I kind of trip because I always, like, I'm the biggest klutz. I wish I could be one of those sexy girls that, like, like ooze sex. Oh, come on. No, no, I'm definitely not. If there's a chair in the room, I will find it and trip over it. <laughs> so, anyways, I trip. I fall. My coffee falls into this passenger's lap. And I immediately go, I've, like, I'm like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, let me help you with that totally inappropriate because I'm now patting someone's lap and I'm like I'm sorry it's just all awkward and and I'm thinking I'm like I'm so sorry and I look up and I realize oh shit this is oh I swore that's okay okay I have to sit here next to this person. I'm oh, like, this is my seat. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm like, hi. And he's just like, oh God. Okay. So then what happened? Um pack everything underneath and sat there of course, very, very awkward, trying to think of, like, how can I make this not awkward anymore? I just spilled my coffee on you. I'm so excited to go on my birthday. And then just kind of broke the ice, and we started talking. And in this conversation, he just said, I, I don't see you as a lawyer. And, of course, my defense goes up, and I'm thinking, oh, because I'm blonde. And like, and he's like, yeah. no, that's not it. You just don't light up when you speak about law. Interesting. You're such, like, you came on here so happy and everything, but when you speak about it, it's kind of like this is what this is what I'm supposed to do and you know he was right I think I told this story over and over so many times in my head they were well tailored words you know I had this story so figured out I thought that it just it seemed real but it wasn't and in this split minute on a plane this gentleman saw right through all that bs and he said if you could do anything in the world what would it be and I'm like, well, anything? Like, I mean, like, okay, I could be a rock star. And he's like, then say that. And I was like, well, okay. And I just literally, verbal diarrhea all about how much I wanted to be a fashion designer. Wow. And um, I had it all, like, just kept going and going and going. And he's like, do you understand we're about to land and you haven't stopped talking about this? And I was like, yeah, well, (laughs) where does one start? Like, I don't even... I feel I felt like this. Also, I'd let like had lived many lives, you know, like mm-hmm. I was trying to be a dancer. I was trying to be an actress. Like, oh, I'm gonna go home and say like, oh, now I want to be a fashion designer. No, law is a great, well paved road. You know, I'll, I'll do well. And he's like, listen, here's my card. 
if if you really want this, this would be the first step. This is um, you've got one week to get me in a business plan. I'm going to Vancouver to wow. party with my friends for my birthday, but and I'm thinking. Oh, so did me? you follow up? Yeah, I, I stayed in that whole time, wrote a business plan, and that following Wednesday, so I was flying out on, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, and that following Wednesday, I had the business plan, in, and then the following Tuesday, I had my very first investors, and Hendrix Row was born. Wow. <laughs> you never know who you're sitting beside. You never know who you're sitting beside. You never know what comes from speaking <laughs> authentically. You never know, like, that's such an inspiring story. Yeah, and I think that's, kind of hard because I'm an open book as you can see I would talk and talk so yeah it 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 truly is it's truly if it was a fairy tale story I can't so what did you what was in that business plan um well I knew definitely well everything from I I wanted to I had an idea that I wanted and I even knew the area that I wanted like to get my things made in. So right now my stuff is made in Suzhou. It's a 30-minute high-speed train outside of Shanghai. Mm -hmm. So I'm literally in Shanghai about six times a year. And that was in that business plan where I wanted to grow everything. Like I, I had it all figured out. But yet if you were to ask me the moment before that flight took off, if I would be in fashion design, I'd be like, no, absolutely not. No, that's not. What a difference a couple of hours on an airplane can make. A hundred percent. So tell me about the name Hendrix Row. What is the, what's the meaning so of Hen- the name? Yeah. Hendrix Row is based like, or based on uh, Jimi Hendrix and Marilyn Monroe. So obviously you see in the collection, I'm very, very influenced by the 60s, the 70s, and also music. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I mean, there is a song to every moment in your life, if you really think about that. And I, I think it's undeniably that music is a huge, huge component of Hendrix Row. And Jimi Hendrix is a huge component like of my life. Even when I was bullied and stuff, I feel like I escaped into his music. You know, I always say, like, girls were listening to New Kids on the Block, and I was listening to Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> now it's cool, but back then yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> What are some of the songs of your life? Like if you could put a song to that airplane ride. Have you ever thought about that? Like what's I've the... never. Oh, you'll put me on the spot with that one. You ponder that. We can come okay. back to that. Because uh, like having having been lucky enough to see your collection and people can go to fashiontalks.ca and we'll have pictures of your collections oh, there. Amazing. There is this rock and roll feel to it, but it's not typical rock and roll clothing. Like mm-hmm. how do you like to describe the your approach to your to your collections and what I also find interesting is you design for men and women yes from the get-go yes from the get-go which is uh, yeah it's very very difficult um I guess glam rock uh, the name because very because you know in the 60s we had the beautiful first lady was Jackie Kennedy. So we had, you know, the beautiful Chanel type suits and stuff that she wore and made famous. And then in the 70s, the androgynous glam rock. We also saw the start of hip hop in the 70s. And you see all of those influences very much in my collection. And I would definitely say that those are the, yeah, they that is basic, like 60s and 70s really, really were huge eras you know in the 70s Vogue was saying finally we've got no more rules in fashion what happened to that really you know what I mean sometimes Mm -hmm. I stare at these runways I'm just like 
okay, we we see that you got one material and it's just the different thing. And I understand that, but I just, I, I, I like that. And Hendrix, so we kind of get rid of all the rules. <laughs> your well, your your designs are definitely a a beautiful counter to a lot of the like clean lined minimalist uniformed color like grays, blacks, beiges, like a lot of that uniform dressing that we've seen so prevalent over the years. You're a breath of fresh air oh, to that you. kind of aesthetic, right? I just think there's so many different people. And my designing, like when I design, I design characters I've always said I'm so nosy and such a people watcher Mm -hmm. that I I want to know who they are and what they're about and if I don't I make up a story about them and I think that storytelling has created like these characters and that's who I designed for like when you see the runways it's all very different you like you will see some of the similar cuts in the suits but it's a different character that walks down you know and I see that always in my models I pick them specifically because I always tell like I'll say you know this outfit is Keith Richards he did too many drugs last night and he realized he's out of orange juice so he's got to go to the supermarket and he just threw on that cashmere jacket people are like what (laughs) but yet it makes so much sense and then I've got that and that's that pajama suit with the big cashmere coat that almost looks like a robe over top of it you know so um yeah, I think. And they can be parceled out. Like what I love about your pieces is you curate, obviously, a point of view for a runway show. But then if you were to take them as independent pieces, they're very wearable within, you know, your everyday life. Absolutely. I think what you see on a runway, it's that's also like it's a magical moment. I always want to make my runways really delicious and magical and have a really great time. It's very much like a rock concert. But at the same time, if you come to the studio, you know, you'll see that one Beauclay piece, sorry, Beauclay piece that every woman can wear. You know, like I have a lot of professional women buying all of those suits. So, yeah, it is. But I love the characters on there and I've always designed for for that. And I think when you see all of the same tailoring, the same coloring, that doesn't give a voice to people, you know. Why not design for everyone out there? And I can, yeah. I want to get back to that notion of a voice in in a second, but I want to just take one little step backwards. Um, So you get, you've you've submitted your business plan. Yes. And you have your investor and Hendrix Rowe is born. Did you go to design school? Like, did you make your patterns at the beginning? Who were, like, who did you, did you have people say, oh my gosh, you're finally doing it. Can you make me something? Like, what yeah. was that, what was that bit of time between, okay, you have your first investor. What did you do next? You know, um, right. So it was really difficult. I think it's only up until the last few times when I cross the border that when they ask me that I own it, that I'm a fashion designer. And I say it proudly. I'd be like, I don't know, just like I'm in fashion. Mm. You know, I never felt like I was on that platform yet. And it was because during those times, I was really good friends with some amazing designers that would be like, you're doing what now? And I know it was difficult. You know, they went yeah. to school for this. They fought for it. And it's such a hard industry. And I'm just now walking into it like they're thinking I'm like, – I know that they thought maybe I was making a joke out of it or that, but it was always something I wanted to do. So from there, I um, flew out to Shanghai and I spent a month there meeting with different factories, getting to know all the um, fabric um, areas out there, everything. And I was doing, I did that all by myself with an interpreter. Wow. And yeah, talk about 
be born in Saskatchewan. So did you sketch then? Like, did you sketch yeah, the designs? I sketched, but I also have a good friend that he walked me through all of that. His name's David Jacks. He's actually a, a great designer out in London, England, and he really did help me at first. He helped me sketch my ideas and get everything going because, of course, all of a sudden this thought process is like, well, I want to do this and this, and he kind of helped that. So he was your design tutor, really. Very much so. Very much so. Helped me kind of narrow in on what I wanted to do. And I remember the very first thing I made was what I call the Jimmy Tails. And it was a very, I knew I wanted like very structured shoulders, but that came down in a, um, like a, a tails in the back for women, but then was very, very structured and shapely through the top. And nice. I still sell that out of that coat all the time. It's a beautiful, beautiful coat. That's amazing. And what was, what did it feel like as you finally, like you've had this kind of like epiphany and now you're actually doing it? Like, what did that feel like for you? What was going through your head? To this day, I, I, I don't even know Hendrix Rowe. Like, I, I feel like that's sash, my Sasha Fierce. You know, even Your alter at, ego of some 100%. Kind. Like, I don't know her. I feel like I work for her. And I'm always even shocked sometimes when I watch, like, the shows after. I'm just like, where did I go? Like, I'm, you know, so I, I don't, it's hard because I, I don't, I, yeah, um, I don't. Yeah, I just don't know. I'm I'm feeling the emotion and just like I know, the overwhelmed. Like I'm, I'm starting to almost get overwhelmed and want to tear up because I am. I'm. I'm just super humbled that I get to do what I love. So sometimes those questions, I, I still don't feel like I'm on the platform to be say that I'm this fashion designer. Something that has struck me about your designs and and based on, you know, chats we've had is there's this theme of finding your voice. Yeah. You know, of finding your voice, of 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 putting that voice out there and your your collections, you need a strong voice to wear a Hendrix row piece. Like they are not for the for a wallflower in many ways. Like how do you think fashion and a person's voice work together what or what are you thinking about as you're designing those pieces in terms of who's wearing them? you know I always say like we're in a really painful world right now you know gender rights equality um sexuality race are so are you know they're so so visible but we're so lost in translation and my very first like I was explaining love of my life was a black man my first best friend, like the first time I finally felt after being bullied and stuff like that was a gay man. And I'm not okay with, that's who made me alive and Hendrix or wouldn't exist without those type of people and that open thinking. And I just, I think that is who I design for is those that feel that they don't have a voice sometimes. You know, I want to blur the lines. I want to mess things up and make this like, beautiful garden where real love can be a tangible reality I am so so floored and by those I call them like warriors of love that fight to be in love you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. what I'm this blonde blue-eyed girl that's right there that's very like I'm really lucky because I I don't have the same battles as some women of color or some that are fighting just to love who they love, you know, mm-hmm. se- yeah. like sexuality ways. And so that, that I, I, I always want to ne- never forget that, that, you know, I, I always want to fight for, I call them like the warriors of love that are fighting just 
for love, I guess. How does how does fashion move tolerance and understanding forward? I feel like it's your vehicle for this really important value that you have, this value of inclusion and love warrior ship, right? Yeah. Like, I like, feel it from you. How how does fashion move that forward? I, I, for, I think for the brand, it's I just never want – I always think – I always say to people, I I do not force Hendrix Row on anyone. If you don't – like if you like it and you love it, then buy it and that's great. But I'm never telling anyone you need to, to wear it. I use it as a voice of I want you to know that no matter what Hendrix Row – like that androgynous – glam rock look that men and women in the 70s you know men and women wearing similar outfits and that's the same thing if you want to wear that hot pink floral suit and you're a man go for it I think it's sexy as f (laughs) but I also and I I just think that's that's fun and how um how like fashion moves it Oh, I'm getting so emotional over it. <laughs> I know, I can tell this is such a big deal for you. It really is. I think from being bullied and such like that, I always want to be the voice. And I get honored that somebody that is going through, a, like we have all go through difficult times. So when I see a woman, say, accepting a diploma or wearing my outfit, and I just like thank them, I guess, for going on that, like I get to go on that journey with them. And... Yeah, I'm getting so emotional. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, it's 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 clearly such a part of your fabric, right? Like yeah. when I when I look at like having heard you talk and then, you know, being familiar with your beautiful designs, what what I kind of imagine you thinking is I will shine a spotlight on you. Like you just des- like you will be noticed. Absolutely. And also that I'm I- I always want to vocalize that I'm not okay with what's happening and that you are never alone when it comes to Hendrix Row because you always have a tribe and it's like the Hendrix Row tribe. Because I, again, like I look at the LGBTQT community and, and, you know, race rights and even like women's rights, like it's like it's as if it's not human rights anymore that's how we're acting as a world and that's not okay and i think it's a wake-up call that if you see if people for some reason think this brand is cool which is awesome thank you (laughs) but if you think i'm cool then like know that i'm not okay with that and you have there's no room with hendrix row with that attitude and then don't come to my shows don't like the clothing because i'm always going to be pushing the boundaries of making sure that little boy little girl that doesn't feel like they have a voice will always have a voice with hendrix row because i think that's beautiful and i like i thank them every day for fighting just for love when we're living in a world that for some reason we just we don't want to fight for that or we want to deny rights for people. That just drives me nuts. And perhaps that's why I get so emotional for it is because I also fought really hard to do what I love. Yeah. You know, like I was so like in denial that I could ever do this. And I still feel like sometimes when I'm in the arena with other designers that, you know, I know they've done so many other things. I still sometimes feel the looks at me like, oh, you're Hendrix. Yeah, we've heard about you. And I'm just like, (laughs) okay, well, I'm just like, I just want to design too, man, you know? So maybe that's part of that. But I, I think it all does come back to, you know, I was 
bullied and then who did recognize me was a black man and then my very first best friend was a gay man and David a gay man who helped Hendrix Road get built you know so I like in my opinion though they're fighting battles every single day but yet help me build mine or fight mine I imagine that a Hendrix Row piece in someone's closet is like their confidence armor that they put That's on when they music. feel like they just need that extra lift. Like, cause what yeah. we wear, I've talked about this with so many people um, over the course of these episodes about how, you know, what we wear impacts how we feel and how we feel impacts what we do. So, you know, what we put on our bodies actually has a great deal of significance in terms of how we're going to go forth in the world. And I can imagine um, people wearing your pieces and feeling like okay like I'm ready like oh, I love hearing that I, I got so. my game my game so. is on you know I started this um uh this uh code it's called the property of no one coat and it's a motorcycle code and it's on the back it's very like motorcycle club-esque and it says property of no one and it, it is it's a coat that I want I'm just trying to get it made into right now of um, a, pro- a non-profitable charity where the money will actually go towards victims that have survived um, human trafficking. Oh. Yeah, and because again, we're not property of everyone. You know what I mean? It's like even when I go back to talking about like the rights of humans, like we have, we don't need to answer to anybody except for ourselves. And I know that there's a lot of voices out there not being heard. As I'm about to cry, like you're getting me emotional this morning. <laughs> I'm like really it's cool people. Good. It's all good. It's all good. But I want those coats to be seen, and you know, again, that like if you don't feel you have a voice, we will speak for you until you do. And now I'm waterworks. <laughs> Jordan is having a moment. We're both having a moment. I'm welling up as well. Um, the other thing that I find so fascinating about about your designs is there's, and I'm going to get a little like semiotic here, is I think there's such a sense of pastiche to them because you take things like the Jackie O kind of boucle fabric, but you make it in a suit with hot shorts. And fringe. Like <laughs> so you're 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 constantly collaborating and pulling from different parts of of culture of eras of music of genres yeah. into this beautiful pastiche oh, I love of that. pieces. Thank you. Um yeah, and I I I also in all the collections I always want to bring back past pieces. And kind of what you're saying, but like even from the very first collection, you'll see varsity coats, but made in a different way. So you never think, oh my goodness, I don't have the money for that. But like that you don't, I always want you to see that you can wear from day one Hendrix row to the day Hendrix row until present time Hendrix row. Right. Um, And I, because I just think that's important. You know, like fast fashion is just killing So I always want to make sure you know this is not a fast fashion brand and you can wear that hot pink floral outfit and I'll make sure you know how to five (laughs) years from now. Um, But yeah, I also just love playing with it. There's just something so magical about the fringe and then make, but showing like how you can wear it with your Jackie O type 
absolutely. outfits. And I've always been like that. Like, I love wearing a gown, but then I want my army boots and my leather jacket on. Um, I, don't, I just, just kind of, I don't know, it's cheeky and I like that. It's a voice, right? I love it. Of course, it. yeah. I just think fashion, you know, speaks so many words without saying a single word. And Absolutely. again, I, I guess I'm kind of, kind of finding myself in this talk. I'm seeing it's really given me, it's brought me out of my shell from where I um, started and has given me a voice. Oh, God, I love that. Do I have to pay for you? Yeah. <laughs> like therapy <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your film yes you've had a real wonderful experience and now can be you're a, you're an award-winning filmmaker yeah share a little bit about that it's so crazy um we shot a movie called uh, uh me and a company called we are next level um we shot a movie called Paul Cartoonist Genesis which means uh it's called, um <laughs> the fallen down broken down Beauty of oh, no, I'm gonna mix this all up. That's all right. We'll the, have it online. Um, the beauty of the fallen down rock star reborn. Um, it starred Cameron Geddes, who everyone knows is well, not everybody, but you will now. He is a model I've worked with from day one, and Amazing. he's in every one of my shows, and he's just brilliant. And he was the star of it, and it followed this just honestly the basic not the basic but we all know that rock star story you know he rises to fame does too many drugs gets too crazy about the world is in two in his head wants to escape it all and in the end he actually does kill himself mm-hmm. um it when it was just it was so cool to make that movie and then you know we knew it it, it became kind of a um a cult favorite of like you know, like of fashion people they all started talking mm-hmm. about it, or uh, Hendrix Row fans rather yeah. and so I was like we need to take this further so we actually made it into a 15 minute short and we s- submitted it into Caniff and we did we won Canadian Fashion Film of the Year which was also an like a what moment I was like mm-hmm. what now <laughs> like I just we I just wanted to make the movie. You know, I had this idea and I wanted to do this and it was such a crazy shoot because the morning of the shoot I'd never shot a movie before. I don't I don't know what to do. But Kyle, the one director calls me and he's like, "Did anyone look at the weather?" I was like, what do you mean? He's like, look outside. And it was a couple summers ago when Toronto, it was like down, like downpours. Like I was of rain it was not stopping and our call time was 4 a.m and so i've got mo- the model on set 4 a.m waiting and staring out the wow, window waiting for the heavens to stop opening and i was like don't worry we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we're gonna do it so i went and grabbed breakfast and i remember i looked outside and this it, it had just broke and i like called kyle and we're running down the street i'm like get shooting now get shooting now and there's an opening scene in it where cameron is walking down um this road and like all of this lightning's going on back like behind him and the skies are turning into the most beautiful pink and it's not none of it's cg it's all real like we all caught that but it was just like it was meant to be and that whole morning we all just we really vibed really well together and it's still i can't it's the most delicious movie it really is good what a highlight for you yeah yeah to think like i can't believe this January will be like the second year of ever showing at a fashion week. And to have that much success already is just, 
I'm really honored. Thank you for liking Hendrix Row. Oh my goodness. What are what are some of your favorite pieces? And I know that's a little bit like asking a parent to choose their favorite child. But I love that you say that because that's always what I say about fashion shows. Because they're just it's like letting a child go off to kindergarten and you raise them and you're hoping everyone will like them. Yeah, I know. Um Favorite and it doesn't piece. need to be a favorite, but a piece where you're like, oh, I love them all. But right now I'm just sort of feeling like this is a piece that really. really Property stands. of No One Coats are amazing. The fringe, the metallics. Of course, I'll always, my baby, my firstborn was the, um, and actually it was, okay, well, <laughs> was the beaded gown. Um, there was a hand beaded gown and that gown took nearly 50 days to hand bead. Wow. It had a huge long train. And when I was breaking into the women's scene, again, I was really terrified that no one was going to take me serious. And they're like, oh, she can't do women's now because I started with the men's. Then I did the women's. So in that – because that was the next fashion film, Paul Cartoonist Genesis, I did – uh, artificial nocturne which was the same story but from the rock star's girlfriend's point of view oh that's very cool yeah and so she read in it she read the same poem but in from a women's standpoint yeah. about how, how like you thought you were breaking down like you broke my heart kind of instead but in that movie she rips the whole dress <gasps> <laughs> and I still have the ripped dress like sitting on a duty in my house but it's just it's very Buddhist, like, you know, where they do, like, the designs of sand. And yeah. then and it was, and that's so amazing that you said it, because the dress was called Castles Made of Sand. It's, like, gold and brown, all hand-beaded. And I just remember in the movie when she finally rips it and all the beads start falling off it. And I was like, <gasps> So dramatic. It was dramatic, but it was good, because I just, I wanted it to also to, maybe to myself, but also to everyone, like, I'm breaking, this isn't all I can do. Like, here we go. I'm breaking, not the dress that you thought I only could do. I just broke it. I I ripped it in the first scene of the movie. You're not seeing that during this runway. (laughs) It's gone. It's not happening. And the model, Abby, who played the lead, she, like, dragged the dress like it was dead (laughs) down the runway. Wow. But it's still one of my favorite dresses. 100%. I Sometimes I stare at it like, okay, I've got to redo that dress. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah, that. But the metallics, I love them. And the pantsuits. I'm really into the floral pantsuits. This season, I'm just, I'm obsessed with those. Obsessed. I think I've got, I own, of course, I own every one of them, but I'm wearing them all the time, except for today. I mean, she, I would, yep. didn't know coming Check out our studio. Instagram to see Hendra, to see Jordan's outfit today. <laughs> Jordan, yeah, well, you know, this has been such a pleasure, Jordan. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. Like, Thank fashion you. is clearly such a, a philosophical, artistic, important important thing why why do you think fashion matters in our world wow um because it gives you it does give people a voice you know as I said earlier it it, you can say so many words with fashion without saying a single word at all I also think you know as a designer it gives me a platform to give those a voice that don't have a voice and also start helping break some of these barriers you know um we are all one at the end of the day and we're not going to get out of this life alive without you know one another and um you know love is love and i i yeah what's your dream for hendrix row um oh wow uh <laughs> 
the sky is the limit. I'd like to be an international brand. I will be an international brand. <laughs> and um, have my own stores, definitely. And also take property of no one, be a completely nonprofit organization that helps, like I said, those um, survivors of human trafficking. And yeah, that, yeah. It's going to happen, girl. <laughs> What an emotional morning. (laughs) Jordan, thank you so much for the conversation today. It's been such a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for everyone that's listening. (laughs) You can see uh, a bunch of the images that Jordan and I have talked about in our conversation um, on the Fashion Talks website, which is fashiontalks.ca, and you can follow us on social at Fashion Talks Podcast. You can follow me at This Is Donna B. And Jordan, where can people find out more about you? What are some of your social handles? So um, you can go to the website, www.hendrixrow.com, at hendrixrow on Instagram and uh, Twitter is Hendrix Rowe Style whoever took Hendrix Rowe I'm coming for you <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so much Fashion Talks is produced in partnership with CAFA the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards and you can find out more about CAFA at C-A-F-A-W-A-R-D-S. Thanks to our wonderful sound engineer today, Paolo Fugiuelli. If you enjoyed today's podcast, and I really hope you did, thank you so much for listening. If you could rate and review us on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice, it really helps us getting the words out there, and we really, really, really appreciate it. Until next time, this is Donna Bishop at Fashion Talks.